Welcome to the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Episode 20. I'm your host, Wes McAdams, and on today's show, Sam Dominguez, James Sumners, and I discuss trusting our church leaders. The sponsor of today's episode is Campaign Capitol Hill, which is a grassroots effort by Churches of Christ aimed at raising awareness in the Brotherhood on the fine line between politics and religion, preaching the gospel to our nation's leaders, focusing on repentance and God's standard of morality, and reaching lost souls with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You can find Campaign Capitol Hill on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hill or on their website at campaigncapitolhill.com. There you'll find more information on how to join the march for God's Word. And now let's jump right into our discussion. Wouldn't it be wonderful in the church as a whole, and I think our eldership does as good of a job or better than I've seen in, in any congregation that I've ever been a part of, where elderships entrust deacons to say, hey, this is your ministry, these are the funds you've been allotted, do what needs to be done, take care of it, you know, and they they don't micromanage it. And I... And I I just posed the question, wouldn't it be interesting if congregations allowed even the the deacons to come up with the budget itself, and the, the elders totally delegated all of the financial decisions, all of the financial um, everything to the trustworthy deacons, and, and they took care of the spiritual things? And then it occurred to me that what people would say was, well, no, 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 we need elders to to manage those important things. We need elders to make the important financial decisions. <laughs> That's what it, it, it becomes so interesting, that the financial decisions aren't the important decisions. The important decisions are what is taught, how people are counseled, that false doctrine is refuted, that, uh, you know, all of these shepherding duties, that, that the lost are brought back, that the, the sick and the hurting are, are cared for, these kind of things are the important decisions that need to be made. And yes, I think elders need to have an oversight of all things regarding the church, including the financials, but that that if they were able to to delegate those less important things, and yes, that's salaries and buildings and all of these things that really are the least important of all of the things that the church is doing. They're they're side issues. They're byproducts of what we're doing. It does seem like, to some people's minds, and you know, I think occasionally all of us delve into uh, this particular error, but to some people's minds. The worst thing that could happen would be for a church to misspend its money mm-hmm. or lose its money or be taken or something along those lines. And, you know, we understand the necessity for good stewardship, but there are a multitude of spiritual things that can go wrong in a congregation that can be a cancerous growth in a camp, in a congregation that you could lose all of your money or misspend all of the money or not have any money. And it wouldn't even begin to be as important as those spiritual needs and those spiritual problems that a lot of congregations have. And it seems like we often mistake the amount of cash in the bank and the number of people in the pews as the measure of the health of a congregation when those things are completely beside the fact uh, you know, the, there are spiritual questions that are there, and like you said, those are the important questions, and yet we cannot break free of a earth-centered mentality, mm-hmm. of a this-life-centered mentality, mm-hmm. even when it comes to the church. Well, and how many of our unity issues within the church revolve around 
how we spend the money, you know, whether or not it is, and I don't want to get into those specific things, I, I you know, but, but how we spend the money becomes this, this thing that we can't, we can't have fellowship anymore. In fact, I won't even consider you a Christian anymore because you disagree with me on how the church is able to spend funds on this, that, or the other. And I, I understand that, you know, conscience and, you know, and people's, you know, you know, I mean, there, there's some, there's real sincerity there, but at the same time, I think that what we fail to understand is that even if that is an important issue, how and where the money is spent, um, the more important issue is the unity of the body of Christ. And so we have to weigh those things. And it's like Jesus said, we, we've got to, um, you know, there are weightier matters. If there were weightier matters of the old law, there are weightier matters of the of the New Testament as well. And sometimes I don't think we realize that. What's more important, whether you're right or I'm right on how we spend $5 or $5,000 for that matter, $5 million for that matter, who cares? It's all just money. Um, or whether or not People are lost and go to hell, and the and the church is divided amongst itself. You know, when it comes to trusting our leadership and our elders and whatnot, we've talked about a couple different things before about uh, like our relationship with God and uh, different uh, different things related to how we interact with each other and with God and who, but being people being between us and God. That's something that I kind of, I think I've kind of had a problem with to a degree related to elders in, in the sense of like, how do they really play their part in my life? I mean, there's a number of elders here, uh, most of the elders here that I have gone to in the past multiple times to discuss with them things in my life to help make better choices and to, um, to uh, seek their counsel. Um, but then beyond that, so many times I I think, well, I'm not really, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm just going to say it because um, this is how I really have thought for most of my life, or at least for the last few years. I'm not, I don't really feel like I'm under the elders, that I'm more like, that I'm more, uh, that because there's a relationship between me and Jesus, and I'm just, this is how I think, and and. I'm directly, I trust God with my soul. I trust Jesus with my soul, but I don't know that I necessarily trust the elders to guide me to him. And I'm just being honest. And not that I don't trust the men who are our elders, because I do. Because um, I've gone to them many times when I've, when I've been in doubt myself. But in general, I generally look and say, well, I need to make sure that my relationship with God is right. And then when, when necessary... When necessary, that's usually when I go to the elders, and that's not something that I do all the time. I'm, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, I, I think uh, I think most everybody would be in a in a very similar position there. Uh, whether we would articulate it that way, uh, usually it would be because we haven't thought about it. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that our actions have demonstrated the fact that we feel exactly the same way. That you know, me and Jesus, we're we're like this. We're best buds, and you know, if I'm in a particular case of you know, if I can't handle something, well, maybe I'll go to the elders and I'll try and lean on their expertise a little bit. But I'm not I'm not living a life of submission. I'm not in constant relationship with my elders so that they even know what's happening in my life and can shepherd me more directly. You know, that a lot of times the elders end up in this position of running around putting out fires 
because they don't mm-hmm. find out about something until mm-hmm. the last minute because people aren't living a relationship with them. But I think we we get into these weird situations where we our trust for the elders goes so far as they agree with us mm-hmm. in the sense that, yes, I trust you to shepherd and counsel me, but as soon as you tell me, hey, this is something in your life you need to change, and it's something that is important to me or that I really like or whatever it ends up being, all of a sudden I start questioning their motives. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I think, well, well, you just don't want me to be happy, mm-hmm. or you this, or you that, or you're just telling me what you think. That's not what God thinks. And all of a sudden, all that trust goes out the window. But why why are we so two-faced like that? Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, I mean, I think that there's I think that there's certain levels that happen in the church. On the one hand, I think that that James, I think that you submit to the elders more than you realize that you do. As as especially as a deacon, well, as a deacon, you do. And, and I know more about what's going on than well, and, well, and because there's no, but when there's no friction, you don't even really notice it. You just you you're doing as a deacon, you're doing a, a huge role that has been delegated to you. Why? Because it's been delegated to you, because it's important to you, and the elders have entrusted that to you, and so you and other deacons are working on that that ministry and that project, and, and you're doing that because you're in submission to the elders, and and you're you're doing that. You're not you're not trying to push back against their authority and say, oh no, I'm not going to support this missionary. I'm going to go try to support this missionary. You know, I mean, you're doing what the elders have asked you to do, and. And sometimes we don't even realize, and that's the way it should be most of the time, is that we never even realize that we're submitting because it's not a matter of, uh, you do this, yes, sir, okay, I don't want... But because we, we're, we're willing participants in it, and, it's, and we, we just do what we're, we're asked to do, and, and, and it flows so, so perfectly. But then, at the, then on the other hand, like Sam brought up, I mean, I think that there's times where, where there is friction and where there's a disagreement... And where it really is a matter of my opinion versus the opinion of a wiser, older spiritual leader in the church. And I mean, we could throw out a thousand hypotheticals, whether it's like you said, Sam, where they they ask us or they say, you know what, I was doing what you were doing when I was your age, and it really was not healthy for me, whatever that is. And so I think it would be wise for you to change course, and we don't want to do that. Or, or you know, a lot of times... Let's say, for instance, the elders say, um, from now on, all of the, well, like we do here, they lead all of the closing prayers. You know, the shepherds lead the closing prayers. Well, what if before that, you know, there were men that were leading the closing prayers, and we say, well, I, I want to lead the closing prayer. You know, sometimes the elders set things up in a certain way because they believe it's the most expedient way to do it. And, and sometimes when we don't trust them to do the right thing that's in the best interest of the church— uh, sometimes we push back against that, and sometimes it's because I'm looking out for my own interest while they're trying to look out for the interests of the whole church, or I just think I I know what's in the best interest of the church. Well, don't we often struggle with uh, trusting our ministers as well, mm-hmm. uh, our preacher, and and trusting that he does in fact have our best interest at heart, and that he's not telling me these things about life and obedience and righteousness because he seeks control over my life or he just doesn't like what I do and he wants to change me or anything, but that what he wants is to influence me 
for God. Mm -hmm. Because what he does is he loves me and he cares about me. He wants me to have salvation. Mm -hmm. And it seems so strange, but we can often sit week in and week out listening to a man preach, listening to him present the gospel to us, and it's all well and good, but as soon as he starts directing it toward me, all of a sudden I don't think he loves me anymore, or I try and forget that his motives are coming from a position of love. Mm -hmm. And yet, do we have these feelings because uh, we've been burned before? I don't know, maybe. But I think it behooves all of us to remember the love that we have for each other. Remember the love that motivates all of these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as silly as it sounds, you give each other the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know, I recognize that when you said this to me, it was because it was out of love and about of concern for my soul. Uh, very often we, we say something like that, give him the benefit of the doubt when it was said in a poor fashion or mm -hmm. was said in a way that uh, hurt your feelings or offended you or something. But we even get up on our hind legs when it was offered in a fashion of absolute love and mm -hmm. consideration, because it, the truth of the matter is we don't like to be corrected. Mm -hmm. We don't like to be admonished. How do, we, how do we change ourselves? How do we mature so that we actually appreciate and love correction and admonishment when mm -hmm. it's done lovingly? When you start off with the idea that, like, if I'm going to look at someone like Wes, or if I'm going to look at our elders and determine whether I need to actually to submit to what they're saying, what they teach, what they do, I mean, there's only one way to do that, and that's to know what they're talking about in the first place, to read the Scriptures. If this is what I believe, because what do we believe? We believe that the Scriptures were handed down to us so that we can know the way of God, and we follow that to the best of our ability. So if... if I'm going to be able to understand whether Wes is actually um, someone who I can trust. I have to know what the Bible teaches. And then if I don't know what Wes is saying, if I don't know what the preacher is saying, then I need to take what he said and go investigate it. If I don't understand that to be true, if it goes against everything I believe and I'm not sure that I agree with the way he presented it, then, then the first thing I should do is... I can talk to Wes about it and say, hey, what's what's going on? And if if that doesn't result in in what I what I'm looking for and better understanding, then we then we then we I mean, no matter what, we still need to go back to the scripture. And <clears throat> maybe that's part of our problem is when we, when it comes to trust issues, we're not really basing it off of the guidelines that have been given to us. I mean, <clears throat> we're what does the Bible tell us about trusting itself? It says, Test me and see if if it's true. If the things I say are true, if they come true, then it then this is the word of God. Um, I mean, and that's the way that's the way that we should deal with our elders. That's the way we should deal with our preachers. That's the way we should deal with our deacons. That's the way we should deal with our brothers and sisters. And then when there's trust issues, what do we do? We resolve it by going to each other and trying to work it out. If we can't work it out, then there are steps that go after that. But but the point is, is that. We start off from a perspective of let's let's start with a perspective of trusting you in the first place, and then when we we run into a problem, then we deal with it the way that the scriptures prescribe for us to deal with it in the first place. Well, you know, our, our leaders are supposed to be demonstrating the fruit of the spirit in everything that they do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not one of those things where uh, 
I have to wait until a key moment before I know whether you're trustworthy. You know, I have to wait until I'm falling and you reach out to grab me. Well, then I know that I can trust you with my life. No, you demonstrate all throughout everything that you do that I can trust you with that so that I have absolute confidence in those times of crisis, you know? And, and I think we make a mistake trying to base our trust entirely on, well, I trust Wes because he sees things the way I do. Mm-hmm. Rather than recognizing that, Wes can see things and know things because of his knowledge and experience with the word that I do not know, and I can trust him to lead me to that. And then, of course, I can verify all of it because mm-hmm. it's there. But, you know, it reminds me of, of my, my kids, and there are times when I have to speak to them and say, trust me, okay? I know you have never gone through this experience before, mm-hmm. but you have experienced many things with me. And I have demonstrated to you that as your father, I am trustworthy. I would not ask you to do something that you cannot be seen through. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't tell you I'm going to be here for you if I was not going to be here for you. So you can trust me. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, we we can trust God, obviously, for that same reason. But we should be able to trust our church leadership because they have demonstrated all throughout their lives and in every activity that they they participate in that they are trustworthy handlers of the word of God. And then I can learn things that I'm not a party to. And so it's not a question of, well, did Wes say what I agree with? No, Wes taught me something I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that's really the context of, in James, when he writes, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We've applied that to interpersonal relationships with what he's talking about is receiving the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And so, and so what he's saying is, is wait, listen, think about what's being said. And if it's true, receive it. Don't get mad. And, and that's our tendency is to just get mad all of a sudden and reject it. And I think part of the reason we do, like we're talking about, is our lack of trust for people rather than what they're saying. It's like, if I'm telling you something that's true, don't push back against it just because you don't like me. You know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, it, it's difficult. And And I really respect people. I mean, I'm 32. And so half the congregation is older or, or maybe more than that is older than I am. Um, if you, even if you could babies, you know, um, is older than I am. Uh, but that, that would be difficult to, to listen to a young preacher proclaim the word. But in the end, it has nothing to do with me whatsoever. This is not mm-hmm. about, hey, listen to the wisdom that I've gleaned from my years of doing this, that, and the other. If that's what it was, if if I was just giving a wise talk about the way I think the world should work and the way I think we should parent and things like that, if I wasn't just preaching the word, well, then don't listen to me. I have no, I have no experience to, to play off of as far as that's concerned. And that's why a preacher is really a proclaimer of the written truth. And so I'm trying to help people to think through it, think about it from this angle, understand what the writer was saying and how that applies to our life. That has nothing to do with me. And I think one thing that it's easy to do is a is an internal ad hominem attack. You know, when when somebody says this is true. And then we say, yeah, but who are you to tell me that? And 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 you don't have the experience to tell me that. And, and I know you haven't figured that out either. And I know you're not perfect either. And and it's like, no. I, and that's what I, I hope. That's, that's hard to stand up there and preach and say, okay, this is what God's Word says about parenting. Well, I'm not a perfect parent. And I look at what I'm doing with my kids, and I think, man, I mess up so very often. And I hope 
that I, I never come across as saying, listen to me, I'm so wise. Rather, it's, it's you know, I don't have any idea what I'm talking about, but God always does. You know, that, that reminds me again, the very idea as a child, you know, <clears throat> looking at my father, he would tell me something, and I had this attitude. Well, he acts like he's right. He was always right. I mean, it wasn't a matter of whether he was right or not. It was a matter of whether I liked what he said, whether I appreciated the fact that I was wrong and he's telling me about it. And, you know, that's so much of the ridiculousness of what we do so many times is that we we take to heart about me rather than about what I've done. It's like, what do I need to do? What is it that I need to do to change I want to be saved. I want to follow Christ. I want to do these things. But how do I do that? I do that with y'all, <laughs> with with you three, you three, and <laughs> with with everyone in the church. I do that with with everyone. We we grow together, and I have to trust people. I I trust people with my kids. People come over and take care of our kids for a while while we go out. We we have to have this trust or. The church cannot function, and it cannot be the beautiful creation that God has made it to be, that He has designed for it to be, that He has made us to help each other along the way. If we can't trust each other, when I was a when I was a kid, and I've I've lost this, I've lost this so much. Uh, when I was a kid, I started off with the attitude so many times when I'd meet somebody new, that person is my friend. I didn't, I don't know them, but they are my friend. And the only way that they could not be my friend is if they made themselves not my friend, um, and and which is kind of kind of what we're talking about. Just basically starting off from the perspective, I can trust this person, and and listen to what they have to say and compare it to the truth. And then you and then you deal with that. You build a relationship there. Say, hey, I heard this from you, and let's let's work together to make sure that we understand what's true, and not get so upset about anything that could prevent us from being unified to serve Christ. Because that's that's a lot of... I mean, that's what the church is about, being unified to to take each other to heaven, to go together so that... I, I heard a guy one time... Go. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> let's argue about it. Um, I, uh, I heard a guy one time talk about... Somebody asked him, do you automatically trust people or do you automatically distrust people when you first meet them? He said... You know, so in other words, do you believe people are trustworthy or do you believe that they're not trustworthy? And he said, you know, I I have come to the conclusion, he said, I've done both at, at different times in my life, but he said, I've come to the conclusion that I don't have enough evidence on which to base a belief. And so I am, to use that term, agnostic. I don't have enough evidence to believe or not believe. It's not that I'm atheist, I mm-hmm. don't believe in their trustworthiness, and it's not that I believe in their trustworthiness, I'm, I don't know whether I, I, I can trust them or not. And I think that's, that's a, a flaw we make sometimes, is that we automatically give blind trust to people and just assume that they're going to tell us the truth, just assume that what they're saying and doing is, is right and good, and that they're leading us in the right direction, when that may not be true. And then uh, on the other end, we have a tendency to, to automatically distrust them and to push back against anything that they say, whereas we've got to say, okay, taking what they said, and, and, and everybody, you know, and everything, but the more we get to know people, the more evidence we have, but taking what they say, and then, like you said, examining that, examining that in light of Scripture and say, okay, is this trustworthy? It, does, this, does this jive with what uh, Scripture says, or, or does this need to be rejected? But I, I think that 
I think that we need really, especially when we first meet somebody, we need to avoid both extremes. One that says, I'm not going to trust anything you say, and the other, I'm going to believe everything you say. Rather, I think we need to approach it saying, I'll see, you know, I'll, I'll see whether I can, whether you're the kind of person that I can put trust in or not. You know, I, I think we can also look at it uh, from the opposite side of the perspective. You know, I, I've been talking about whether we trust our church leadership, but uh, all of us in here are uh, church leaders of some kind, mm-hmm. deacons and preachers, and I think there is a a big hang-up that we can get into ourselves where we refuse to place trust in other Christians mm-hmm. in the sense of, I'm trying to teach you the way, I'm trying to help you get to heaven, but I can't trust you to actually carry this out. So instead of explaining to you that this isn't a question of whether this activity is right or wrong, but is it right and is it glorifying to God for you to do this and it becomes a your responsibility and it's a more complex idea. Well, I don't trust you to be able to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And I don't trust you to make the right decision in that case. So rather than like God and simply explain that, no, that is a your responsibility type of a question, I'm just going to tell you it's wrong instead. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to abdicate and say, well, I'm just going to tell you that it's right instead of taking on the burden of educating you. And I think there's a lot of people in the church who have grown up never having been trusted to take responsibility mm-hmm. for their for their righteousness from their church leadership. And as a consequence of that, they don't understand the Scripture fully. They don't understand what is and isn't their responsibility, mm-hmm. and they don't know how to react then in difficult situations where there is no answer or, or they are easily led astray mm-hmm. when someone comes to them and says, hey, the scripture doesn't say what that guy told you that it said. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we can make that that real big mistake of not trusting people to take that responsibility. And, and it doesn't even end up having to be trust. It simply has to be we acknowledge the fact that it is their responsibility. Because mm-hmm. even if I try and manipulate you and your understanding in order to ensure that you do the right thing, I still haven't done right by the Word of God, mm-hmm. and I'm still not building you up to be capable of being righteous the way God wants you to be. We teach them what to think rather than teaching them how to think. And we teach them what to believe instead of teaching them how to arrive at the at the right right understanding. And I think you're right. I think it's because we don't... We we don't trust them. And I think another hang-up that we have is that um, sometimes we expect people to trust us simply because we hold an office or we hold a certain role in the church, whether it be elder or deacon or preacher or, or just older Christian or whatever. Well, listen to me because I'm the preacher. Listen to me because I—no, I, I mean, we, we have to demonstrate— that that we are on God's side. We have to demonstrate that we are trustworthy. We have to demonstrate that we are honest and upright. And and that's why, you know, right now in our sermon series, we're going through qualifications of elders. That's why not just not anybody gets to be an elder or even a preacher or a deacon, that there are responsibilities, there are qualifications, because we have to be people that other people can trust to tell them what's right and to help them to, to walk through that understanding and to lead them in the right direction. As James says, you know, not many of us should presume to be teachers. You know that we're putting ourselves in quite a predicament by by taking on that mantle of a teacher to say, "Hey, let me show you what God says about this." And that, and that's a that's a huge responsibility. I think it's important that we understand that we need to live our lives in such a way that our trustworthiness with God's word is made manifest mm-hmm. in our actions and our deeds. Because I think some of us, 
like to try and walk a little too circumspectly. We like to try and be too reserved. Uh, we're, I guess we're maybe we're just too risk averse. And in the end, people don't know if we can be trusted with God's word because mm-hmm. we are not making it manifest in everything that we do. We're trying to hide our light under a bushel. We are not demonstrating our fruit at every opportunity that we have. And for the church to function the way God intended it to function, then we need to be people who are trustworthy of our leadership, and we need to be leaders who are trustworthy and trust the people to carry out those things that are their responsibility. A big thanks to all of our guests and to Cameron McElyay for his help in the production of this show. And thank you to all of our listeners. We hope this discussion inspires you to have these kinds of spiritual discussions with people in your life. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to discuss, please call and leave us a short voicemail at 707-238-2216. That's 707-238-2216. Remember, we love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.